Let's do that hockey. Welcome back to the Dog Prospects Radio podcast. I'm your host, Peter Harling. This is episode 97, and it's the second edition of my 2021 World Junior Preview episodes. And this episode is focused on Team Canada, one of the perennial gold medal contenders. And I'm really happy to be joined by uh, TSN's director of scouting and color commentator for a lot of these international tournaments. None other than Craig Button. Craig, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, my pleasure, uh, Peter. Thanks for welcoming me. Uh, it is uh, it's a hoot having you on. I really love chatting with you, and I feel like I always come away a little bit wiser about uh, certain players or certain scouting aspects. So I appreciate your time. What do you uh, What are you up to right now? Well, right now I am in Edmonton. Uh, we are in a mandatory quarantine before. Uh, we're allowed to enter the bubble. Uh, you have to, I arrived on Tuesday night, December the 15th, uh, had a test, uh, and then uh, we have to have four more tests, all negative, before we can enter the bubble. And that's, uh, that's true of the teams. The teams arrived on Sunday, December 13th. Uh, they're going through exactly the same protocols. And if everything uh, uh, is negative going forward, then they come out of their bubble, or they they come out of their quarantine into the bubble on Friday to to begin uh, practices for the World Junior Tournament. So uh, it worked for the NHL uh, return to play. In fact, it was flawless, and you know they didn't have a manual to go by. You know the IIHF, the Edmonton organizers, Hockey Canada ha- have a manual, a very successful manual to follow. So that's what we're following, and that's. Uh, the, the, the hope is is that everybody uh, can get to the start line uh, without uh, any in- incidents of COVID. And if, if we do that, as Bob Nicholson, the, the chairman of the Oilers uh, Entertainment Group, said, once we get you in and you're safe, we got you. Nice. Well, I like the sound of that. Um, on my last episode, Chris Peters and I did a little bit of COVID discussion and um, some of the logistics about it and um there's, a, there's an ethical question of whether or not it, it should be going and if it's safe. And, uh, you know, we, we're both kind of torn about it. We love the tournament so much and we desperately want to see it happen. Um, so he made a good point and that, you know, the NHL provided the template that you just mentioned that it the bubble worked. It was very successful. Uh, so as long as the IIHF spares no expenses, as Chris said, and, and takes every precaution to ensure everybody's safety. Um, I don't see why we, we can't have a successful World Junior Tournament. Um, so let's work on the assumption that we're going we're gonna to see some games. And let's talk about Team Canada, a team that you've been covering very extensively. You were at their pre-selection camp. Uh, you, you broadcast a few games. They had a lot of hard decisions to whittle the roster down, and they made some, some tough cuts, as Canada always has to do. They got some players who would certainly make other rosters. Uh, I don't want to dwell too much about the players that aren't there, but uh, we, we we can't not mention a couple. Uh, Alex Lafreniere, for starters, uh, not released by the Rangers. Not really surprised there. I think we're expecting him to make a splash in the NHL. Yeah, I, I mean, I I could make a case for him being here, and I can understand the case for him not being here. Uh, you know, the one thing that I think that uh, 
you know, you're trying to get prepared for your NHL career, and you certainly uh, Alexi is going to be a real top-notch player in my view. But he hasn't played a meaningful game since March, and I, I think the World Junior could have been a real beneficial step for him. And you know, you look at how uh, Jack Hughes and Capo Caco and Kirby Doc, uh, all three players in the NHL last year. Mm. They, they made no significant difference to their team during the uh, regular season up until March. Now, Kirby came back and consider that the offseason really showed uh, real growth uh, in that uh, return to play in uh, August and September, or mostly August for Chicago. Uh, so I just think there'd be real benefits accrued for Lexi Lafreniere that would benefit him going into the NHL and would benefit the New York Rangers. But like I said, I can understand the case for him not being here. He's played two years. He was the MVP last year, but uh, I, I, I definitely see benefits for him. I, I, I feel the same way about Jack Hughes and Capo Caco and uh, Nick Robertson. I, I, I just think the benefits that they could accrue by playing in this tournament would, would, be, would be terrific for, for not only the short term, but certainly for the long term. Another player who um, may be less of a surprise that uh, he did not make Team Canada is Kingston Frontenac's Shane Wright, a player I'm pretty familiar with. I can't say that I'm extremely shocked that he didn't make the team as a, a double uh, underage player. Uh, he'll get a couple more cracks to make this team, and I have every confidence that he will. And this isn't really a team that you select players so that they can get some experience for next year's tournament. It's always a win now best players who can help Canada win right now. Um, did, did you think that uh, Shane Wright, if he made the team, it, it clearly would have been because they thought that he can help them win right now or that they would be thinking maybe long-term for him? The only way he would have made the team uh, and be considered for the team is if they felt he could help the team. Uh, it's not about next December. It's about right. this December and January. It's about 10 days to put your team and help your team in position. That, that's all it's about, and, and that's important to say. You know, Shane, like uh, a number of other players, uh, you know, got uh, significantly impacted by the 14-day quarantine. Uh, you know, it, it, it took them out of any rhythm they were trying to gain up to that point, uh, you know, and to... to to be able to show and demonstrate what you're capable of is really important uh, for the players, and, and they want that opportunity. Well, it was lost. It was lost for 14 days uh, for Shane and a number of other players that were uh, certainly uh, strong candidates to be on the team. I mean, Shane had 39 goals last year in the OHL. If you go and look uh, at every player available for to Team Canada this year at the World Junior Tournament, you're not going to find very many that scored more goals than Shane Wright. But, you know, uh, the, the 14 days, you know, really impacted it. And, you know, now you're left with a shorter period uh, to, to evaluate from a management and coaching uh, perspective. And they know Shane. Don't, it's not like they didn't know Shane. But with such a deep pool of talent available to them, you know, it, it was unfortunate that Shane didn't have that opportunity to show up. Is, I believe this. I believe that if Shane Wright would have had the opportunity, he would have been on the team. Well, you don't get named exceptional status player for, for nothing. And you made a good point about how he outscored a lot of the other players in contention. He did it as a, a 15 and 16 year old <laughs> yeah. in his rookie season on a, on a not really great team. So it's not like he was cashing in uh, by passing to other star players on, on the front next. They finished out of the playoffs. 
So let's talk about some of the guys that did make the roster. And um, I started in goal with USA, so let's do that again. Uh, goaltending was a strength of the American roster. And I'm not sure I can say the same about Canada. Not too many household names here with Taylor Gauthier, Dylan Garand, and Devin Levi. Uh, who do you see as emerging as starting goalie? You've got one 19-year-old and two 18-year-olds. Actually, there's two 19-year-olds. Taylor Gauthier and Devin Levi are both 19. They're both uh, uh, 01-borns, and uh, Dylan Garand is an 02-born. So this is uh, this is the last tournament for both uh, uh, Devin and for uh, Taylor. So when you uh, when I look at it, listen, these goaltenders. Taylor Gauthier uh, was the goaltender when Canada won the Holinka uh, Gretzky uh, in 2018. Uh, Dylan Garand was in the gold medal game last year uh, for Team Canada. I mean, Yaroslav Askarov was brilliant as Russia beat Canada in that gold medal game. And uh, Devin Levi, who, who's well-known to Hockey Canada, uh, you know, the Junior A Player of the Year last year, you know, th they're all good, competent goaltenders. Do they have the pedigree of Spencer Knight or uh, Hugo Onafalt and Jesper Wallstad or Yaroslav Askarov? No, they don't. They don't. This Canadian team doesn't need that. What they need is good, steady, consistent, even goaltending. And I think all three goaltenders are capable of providing that. That being said, we go back to last year. Nico Dawes started the tournament, and he uh, played the first two games. And they they really debated and discussed if they should uh, change goaltenders and go to Joel Hoffer. They made that decision, and Joel Hoffer never looked back. So I, I don't think it's I don't think necessarily who starts Game One of the tournament is necessarily going to be the player that finishes it. What I, I will say is, whoever the goaltender is, it's in the net on Game One, Game Two, Game Three. You, you better show that you're uh, competent enough to help this team compete for the gold medal. That's what you got to show every time you're in the net. You know, Nico Dawes left the door open. Joel Hoffer shut the door. So uh, whoever starts in, the, in that game one, you go back to 2015, Zach Fucali and uh, Eric uh, Comrie alternated right up until the quarterfinal, and then they went with Zach Fucali. So, you, you, you know, that what, what you got to do as a goaltender is just show your capabilities and, and be steady and consistent. And if you do that... Uh, you're, you're going to do your job and do your part in uh, helping this team compete for the gold. Well, it's going to be a really great opportunity for all three of these players to uh, really move their name more into public domain. Uh, Taylor Goethe has been passed over in two NHL drafts now, and he's really the only draft-eligible player for Team Canada. Uh, so hopefully this is uh, the, the beginning of uh, a turn in his career where he goes from a little bit of obscurity out in Prince George to a little bit more of a, a prominent player and shows up on some some fantasy GM's radar. Um, let's shift forward a little bit and talk about the blue line. Um, they have eight defensemen, so there'll be a couple guys uh, skipping each game. A um, lot to like on the blue line here. You've got a couple returning gold medal champions with Bowen Byram and, and Jamie Charisdale. Uh, Drysdale made the team last year as an underager. Those two guys seem to be the clear-cut top two pair, um, in, in my view. Uh, do you do you see it the same way? I, I do. Uh, 
and I, and I think that there's no question that they're top two. Now, in international hockey, you're allowed to dress 20 skaters. Canada has always dressed 13 forwards and seven defensemen. So it's not traditional 18. So there, I would expect that there'll be one defenseman sitting out. Now, if you get right. a couple of injuries up front, you, you know, you have a luxury. They've expanded the roster this year uh, to having 22 skaters, but you can still only dress 20. So... Uh, Canada's blue line is really strong. I mean, you start with two number ones at Byram and, and Drysdale that can play power play, penalty killing, five on five, play against the other team's best players. It's a luxury that every coach would love to have to, to know that they can have one or the other on the ice just about all the time. And th then you go down the roster in, 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 in the blue line and you, you, you look at uh, Thomas Harley, who got cut last year, and Braden Schneider, who got cut last year. I mean, they're going to be real important uh, figures on this team. And I, I think if they play together, they, they have a little bit of a history playing uh, at the U18 in, in 2019 in Sweden. Uh, so th th there's a little bit of familiarity with them. But I, I think the way they the way they play the game, I think they complement one another very nicely. You know, Harley's a terrific skater. Uh, Braden is a real competitive territorial defenseman. But they both make good plays with the puck. They both move the puck, and when you have the the quality of forwards that Canada has, it, it, you, you need to have defensemen that can do that. Then you go down to, to what I expect to be the next group of defensemen, which is Caden Gooley and Justin Barron. And, you know, Caden Caden is, it, it, I, I think, in, in a slot here with Team Canada, it, it, it's ideal for him because he's not going to be asked to do more right now. Uh, it's not that he can't do more, but when you have Byram and Harley playing in front of him, it's perfect. He, he'll provide lots of really good play, defensively transition, his skating is outstanding. And then you look at Justin Barron. And, you know, he, he had the medical condition last year, and that impacted him. And, 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 I, and I think going into his draft year, there's, you know, I try to tell young players a lot of times, you know, just relax, you know, just play. But the players want to go out and they want to show their very best all the time. And the fact that he had the medical condition and, uh, you, you know, came back, you know, prior to the pause uh, and ultimate cancella cancellation, I think that, you know, he, he really showed in, in what I saw in the camp uh, just kind of a, a more settled game th th that I'd seen previous to last year. And I think being drafted in the first round gave him that little bit of a boost that, hey, OK, everything's going to be OK. And, uh, you know, so when you look at at those at those players, it like to me, th th that top six, you know, can play any way you want. They can they, they can skate. They can jump into the play with the puck. They can move the puck. And. When, when you have all those elements and like, you don't, you never feel as a coach that you're vulnerable because you, because you have somebody uh, in, in a spot that can, that can play in those roles and, and deliver. And, and if they run into an, an injury or, or whatnot, you know, they, they got capable replacements, you know, Caden Korzak and who I fully expected to be on the team. I mean, he's a, he's, he, he's really improved a really good, strong kind of even defenseman and Jordan Spence, who, who brings that real strong offensive play, you know, like I said, you know, I expect one defenseman to be out every game, barring any injury. So 
you know, they got, and they have the flexibility, you know, depending on what the game is, they can try out different players. I expect that all the players will get at least a game or two just based on how, how the tournament is set up. So, uh, you know, Canada is pretty deep on that blue line with, with, with lots of versatility and capability. Yeah, I was watching the um, selection camp scrimmages and Caden Gooley is a player that really stood out to me there. I thought that he got a lot of ice time, uh, which told me that the coaching staff, uh, two things, um, was really interested in seeing what he could do and um, and really, really liked what they saw. Um, and I was really pleased that that he made the roster. He's one of the players that playing out West, I, I didn't have as much uh, of a file on him. Um, what were some things that stood out about you in the selection camp games that you watched for, for well, Caden, Go- or well, sorry, Caden Korzak? Caden Gooley, yeah, well, the, the foundation of Caden's game is skating and, and he's an exceptional skater in, in, in every single regard, straight ahead skating, lateral mobility, the agility, the footwork, the leverage, he's got power. So he, he can use all those elements of skating defensively. You know, he, he's confident in getting up on the play. He's confident in and in, in, in being able to close on players, he can bust the cycle in your own zone. But then that skating also works very well with him in terms of transporting the puck and, you know, getting a hold of the puck and carrying it or jumping in and supporting the, 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 the rush. So when you, when you put all of that together and, and, and you watch a player that consistently uses what I call the foundation of a game, he, you know, that's his calling card and it's always on display and, and he's highly competitive. He's very competitive and uh, a, a player that's interested in, in doing everything he can to help the team be successful every time he's out on the ice. And like young defensemen, they're, they're learning how to be a little bit more patient at times and Caden's going to be no different than any other defenseman that's come along. But when you skate like he does and you can use that skating in every single regard, you know, you have significant ability to, to make real good, strong contributions within the game. Yeah, every every year at the World Juniors, there's, there's a, a bunch of players that stand out to me who I maybe didn't appreciate as much. Um, and then watching them under the, the microscope of the World Juniors, they become, you know, my darling player and I just fall in love with them for right or wrong reasons. Um, I have a feeling that, that he might be one of those players this year. Um, let's move well, up to the... On that yep. note, though, Peter, and, and you and me have talked about this, though, and, and I think you just described, I think, a real essential part of scouting, that it's not static. And we all, we all would like to have uh, as much information as possible at any point in time, but we can only rely on the information we have at a particular point in time. And, and, and then we're, we're, we have to conti- continuously kind of add to it. Okay. You know, it's like, it's like writing a book. You have a chapter one, a chapter two, a chapter three. Now, some players, you might have seven chapters, other players, you might only have three, but you're still working on trying to get to chapter four and you're trying to understand, uh, you know, the plot twists, you know, that yeah. happen with players to development over time. So, you you know, it's no different for me or for others, Peter, with respect to some players we know a little bit better, but if we're continuously trying to build the dossier on them, we're going to get to a more complete picture on them. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of leagues and a lot of players in the world. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's hard to keep tabs on all of them. You need, uh, you need some help. Um, and the world junior, 
you can keep tabs on them, but I always say this, your choice is to know a lot about a little or a little about a lot. And a little about a lot always leads to big mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some forwards. Um, one thing I noticed about Canada's roster makeup this year, by the way, a couple of things um, in my prep for this show and comparing what I what I did for the United States, I noticed um, that there are not very many players on this year's roster that have games played this season. Uh, the United States has a bunch because it's basically Team NCAA, so the majority of the players have played a, a few games at least. Uh, do you see that being uh, a disadvantage for Canada? Because I think a lot of the European players will be playing in Europe as well. Um, is that something that might put them behind the eight ball a little? If the gold medal game was on December 26th, I would say yes. But the gold medal game is until January 5th. So uh, this tournament is always about building. It's always about finding a way to, to, take, to, to improve, not only individually and understand what the challenges of, of your opponents are and what the demands of the tournament are, but also collectively as a team. And that's where the coaching comes in. You know, every team is going to have two pre-tourney games. So, 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 you know, you're going to be able uh, to... to you know, get your feet underneath you. They've all had camps. Yeah, yeah. You know what? There's there, there's benefits that have been accrued uh, by the players that have played. But as you move through a tournament and you, you're you're playing and you're practicing and, and you're building, the whole idea for the hockey powers, and you know, is to get to January second feeling really confident in your game where the quarterfinals will take place and lose and you go home when four teams go home that day. So everything is focused on trying to get to that point. It wasn't always like that, but it is that way now. So what I would say is any benefits accrued by playing uh, will have evaporated by the time you get into a few games of the World Junior Tournament and certainly by January 2nd when the quarterfinals begin. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think and I was implying that it would be detrimental throughout the duration of the tournament, but uh, it at the out of the gate, it could cause a, a stumble out of the gate, but that doesn't matter in the long run, to your point. Well, um, Canada has a stumble out of the gate. I mean, they're, I mean they're, their first three opponents are Germany, Slovakia, and Switzerland. I mean, I mean, okay. I mean it, it, it's still exhibition season <laughs> before yeah. they play Finland on, on New Year's Eve. So, you know, last year was a challenge for them. You know, they started out the tournament against the USA and they got waxed by uh, Russia. And, you know, like it looked like uh, the sky was going to fall. And, you know, but, you know, the good players, and I remember uh, prior, so Canada loses, they beat the USA, they lose to Russia. And, it, it, you know, if, being around the group, you know, and hearing everything, you hear, not, not the group, but oh boy, oh, this is bad, bad omen for Canada. This doesn't look good. Well, then the next night they had a day off, you know, the USA beats Russia. And now everybody's one and one on that pool. And so the next day they're getting ready to play Germany. And I'm talking to Ty Smith and I said, isn't it interesting? You know, two days ago, you lose to Russia. You know, the, the tournament's over. You're not going to win. You're going to go home with your tail between your legs. And now yesterday, USA beats Russia and the sky is blue and the sun's out today. And he looks at me and he says, that's tournament play. That's exactly how tournament play is. And I think all these players understand that from all the countries. Yes, it's not their first rodeo, to be sure. Um, so let's talk about the forwards. Canada's sending 14 first round draft picks <laughs> as their 
forward roster. It's hard to really find any weaknesses in here. I just love them all so much. Um, we we spoke about Quinton Byfield on our on our last podcast, and you and I both agree that we think that he should spend uh, the upcoming season, all things being equal in a in a normal world, um, back in the CHL. This is hopefully not going to be his only opportunity to play hockey this season. Um, last year, he made it to the World Juniors, of course, and uh, and had a limited role. I think it's safe to say that the big man's going to get a much more prominent position on the roster this year, or at least given a lot more opportunity for that. Well, the one thing about Quinton and, and Peter, you know, this having watched him for so long, Quinton is a determined competitor and mm. he, he, he doesn't go out on the ice, uh, you know, trying to assume that if, uh, you know what, there's next shift, he treats every shift importantly. He, he, he digs in and, and, and he competes. And, you know, we can talk and, and you know, talk about what we think is best uh, for Quentin. And, and I totally agree with you, with you on that. But the player still wants to be in the NHL and he still wants to get there. And so, you know, in the off season and a long off season for Quentin and others, you know, they're putting in a lot of work to try to get as prepared as they can for the NHL. And, you know, one of the interesting things now is with, with no junior hockey uh, in the OHL until at least February now, and the NHL potentially starting up, I mean, and, and him having a half a year under his belt, of more maturity in all regards, plus the world junior tournament, you know, the best place may very well be uh, the NHL for him to start off practicing. And if he can get into games and doing that, but you know, like Quentin is, is a player that not only has the skill, but he has the will and you know, the benefits of last year's tournament from an experience point of view will serve him well. I, I think coming into the camp this year, he was two days late, you know, and, and other players had a chance to jump ahead. And and, and then, oh, and, and, and he wasn't that good. I mean, those are the facts. But just because you weren't good for a, a couple of days or uh, three or four days or a couple of games doesn't mean you're not good. Mm -hmm. I think it was a real case of him getting his feet underneath him and getting ready to go. And I think you know, with practice beginning again on December 18th and then the pre-tourney games, I agree. I think Quentin will take a big bite uh, of, of, the, of the ice time and, and find him, find himself to be a real good contributor. Now, I, I liked what I saw between him and Tomasino, and it sounds like they've got some some good chemistry happening in the, uh, the scrimmages and selection camp that they've played. Uh, what can you, but what, do you, what have you seen with those two players playing together? Well, what I will tell you, they also have Connor Zary playing with them on the left wing. They have Connor right. Zary, Quentin Byfield, and Philip Tomasino. Now, uh, in, in the one in, in one of the scrimmage games, and the, the, before they had to go into their quarantine, it was Zary, Doc, and Tomasino. They dominated. They, they, they were unstoppable. And I think for Quentin to have two players on on each side of them, two players that have also played that also play center. So you know they they can interchange with one another depending on what the situation is with respect to defensive responsibilities, picking up a man and whatnot. But they're both players that I think can can really complement Quentin. And Quentin can compliment them too. You know that big body that's going to be able to pull players to them, to him, and then th they know how to get open. So you know the speed of Tomasino, the the real heady, uh, smart play of uh, Connor Zari, I, I think works really nicely. And I think that uh, you know as 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 they get into the pre-tourney games, you know I think they'll they'll have a chance to build 
on, on, on that chemistry. And I think they're going to be allowed to build on that chemistry by Andre Tourney and the staff. Because, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. You know what? You don't want to start switching all around. You want to see, okay, how does it look? Okay, there's, obviously you want, to, you don't want to see something catch fire right off the bat. But sometimes you got to rub the stick together a little bit longer uh, to, to, to get a spark. And, and, and Andre Tordin and the coaching staff are patient in that regard. And I think that that will be something that will allow them to, to continue on because I, I do think they're a nice trio. All right. Who are some other uh, players that you think you've seen some chemistry together or you're predicting will, will, will form a lineup? Because, I mean, you've got 14 first-line players here. So um, I throw them in a blender and see what works out. Or <laughs> <laughs> what have you, if you were the coach, who would you put together? Let's put it that way. Well, one of the things you have here is you have a lot of centers. So that that seems to always be the case, right? You're going to have a lot of centers. I mean, you know, he's 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 had Jack Quinn, a right winger, who Andre Tordney knows very well, play left wing with Cousins and Doc. So you know, like I, I think that Dylan and and Kirby are, are are going to be real lead horses for this team, and you know you're what the coaching staff is trying to do is is find players that can think and contribute to those two guys because those two players are going to drive significant play. And Jack Quinn's a finisher. What, what I like about the idea of Jack Quinn playing with them on the, on the left side is that he's a right shot. So when those guys are, are moving down the ice, Doc or uh, Cousins, you know, Quinn is always able to take the puck and be moving from the outside into the inner part of the ice, uh, you know, to make himself more dangerous. And those guys can make really good plays and hold off defenders. So I'd like the thought process of, of Jack Quinn. Like you might say, oh, geez, why is Jack Quinn going over there? Well, I think it works here in this case with Dylan and Kirby. You know, and, and, and with that, uh, you know, uh, Alex Newhook, playing in the middle of the ice. I, I think Alex is best served playing in the middle of the ice. He's got more room to operate in. He, he knows how to, how to work with space. He knows how to create space. When you're playing the wing, uh, and, and I'm talking specifically about Alex Newhook, you, you, you're kind of trapped outside the dots. You're waiting for the puck. You're waiting for the puck to come to you. You're, you're in more battles. And, and, Alex is a battler, but but I think you know to maximize his skill is better having him in the middle of the ice and and having him be there. And you know Peyton Krebs, he can play anywhere. You you put Peyton anywhere on the ice and he's going to contribute. He's just one of those players. And I think that as you go through the lineup and you watch, you know Connor Zary, he can play center, he can play left wing. Krebs can play left, right, or or center. He's a natural center. So. Now you look at Connor McMichael, who we already know has had chemistry with Cousins and Doc. You know, he, Con, Con, Connor's going to be able to play center. He's going to be able to play left wing. Listen, it doesn't matter where Connor plays. He's going to be a big contributor. Uh, like, I think he becomes, you know, such a Swiss Army knife for Canada in so many different regards. Because you can play him with anybody. You can play him in any situation, and he's going to be really, really good and really capable of being able uh, to, 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 to make contributions in so many different ways. You know, Cole Perfetti, you know, a very gifted offensive player. Uh, he, he, when you have so many other good offensive players around you, 
you end up getting into a spot where you're not overextended, where you're going to be able to handle, uh, you, you know, a little bit more of the challenges, you know, because you're not going to play against the other team's top defensemen. And I think that works so well, not just for Cole, but for this entire forward group for Canada, because I think they're going to get scoring from everybody. I, because they're all good offensive players. They're, they're players that can really uh, drive offensive play. They, they they compete. They're good defensively. They're good two-way players. And, and I think they're going to be a headache for teams because of their firepower and their offensive prowess. And, you know, you know where Jacob Pelletsy plays, Ryan Suzuki, you know, Dawson Mercer to me is, a, is another player like Krebs. Andre Tordney is going to be able to put him anywhere he needs to put him. And, and they're not going to miss a beat. But, you know, when, when you're playing against this team and this forward group, they're going to pose a lot of challenges for opponents. And there will be no rest for the weary when you're playing against them because it'll be one line, second line, third line, fourth line, repeat, 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 mm-hmm. repeat. And they're going to come at you. And, 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 you know, that's why, you know, when I look at this team, I see a team that is not just capable of competing for the gold medal. It's a team that I think uh, will win the gold medal. Let's talk a little bit about Dawson Mercer. He's one of the players who I, I saw the, the lineup for the last two practices that they had. And, and he and Suzuki were um, the extra forwards. And I, I'm a really big fan of Dawson Mercer. And I think this is the kind of tournament that, he could really excel at not to suggest that he's going to lead the team or the tournament in scoring, but um, he's the kind of a player that no matter what situation you want to put him out on the ice on, um, like you just said, he he can, he can succeed in, in that role. If you need a goal, he can score. He's clutch goal scorer. If you need to get momentum back and have someone who can forecheck relentlessly, he can be your guy. If you need someone to kill penalties, um, he can do that too. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Dawson Mercer, and I'm not shocked that he made the roster. Uh, I just hope that he gets uh, an opportunity to to take a position on on our roster. And, and I think once once he does, I, don't, I think there's there's no way he's giving it up. Well, you, you know, I'm going to take it back a little bit in time. And in the 1999 World Junior Tournament, it was in Winnipeg. Uh, you know, Roberto Luongo was the goaltender for Canada. He nearly stole them a gold medal before uh, Russia ended up winning it. And, and Russia was certainly a worthy team. But we, we had drafted a player by uh, uh, Brenda Morrill. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he went into that tournament. Uh, he and Simon Gagne went into that tournament as uh, players that you know, maybe didn't have the same notoriety or anything. And, and it was all about Daniel Kachuk and Rico Fata. And, you know, players that were, that were, that were good and, 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 and had, you know, the capability to do things. But Tom Rennie, who was the coach at the time, and all, that's all it was about. And, you know, we told Brendan Morrow, just go play. Just go and play your game and do the things that you're capable of doing. The coach is smart. The coach will recognize what ends up uh, being best for the team. Well, that's exactly what ended up happening. I mean, Brendan Morrow and Simo Gagne ended up being their, their, two of their top-line players because they are so good and they were so good. And I feel the same way about Dawson Mercer. There's not a lot of flash to his game, but, you know, uh, he, he, he's got so much uh, adaptability, versatility, along mm-hmm. with really good skill. So, 
if he just goes and plays, and, and, and you know, Andre Jordan and the coaching staff knows him, I think, to your point, he, he will find his way into significant areas of the game that will lead to really good, strong contributions that will help the team be successful. I, I, I really believe that about him. All right, I think you and I are on the same page with Team Canada. It's They're the favorite going in. Um, it'll be interesting to see my Russia uh, preview. Uh, I might uh, I might take a shine to Russia after I do a deep dive uh, with the Russian roster. But the pre-tournament starts December 20th, Canada, and it starts their tournament the day after on the 21st against Sweden. And you can catch them play Russia on the 23rd in what could very likely be a gold medal preview. The tournament starts in earnest on the 25th. Um, Canada is not in action on Christmas Day, um, but they move on on Boxing Day and go forward from there. You can catch all the games in Canada on TSN, of course, and Craig Button does the play-by-play and color, sorry, the color commentary for the tournament uh, on TSN. And he's in Edmonton right now in the bubble. Uh, any other fighting, final fading comments on... Uh, on the World Juniors here, Craig, or, or what to expect? Well, I agree with you about Russia. And, uh, you know, once you do your deep dive, I think you're going to come to a pretty strong conclusion that they are Canada's strongest competition for the gold medal and very well could win the gold medal. And, and I'll tell you uh, as you go through it, but I'll give you a little bit of a... It's one thing to say that a team has a really good defense, but you need the right kind of really good defense to beat a team like Canada with the offensive power they have. And the Russians have that defense. They're big, they're strong, they can skate, they can make plays with the puck, and it will not be easy for Team Canada's forwards against a a very strong Russian defense. And if you do get a dent uh, on the Russian defense, you still got to deal with the goaltender. So, you you, you know, it's uh, a lot of people, oh, well, they got a good defense, but you have the right defense. And I think that Russia has exactly the right defense to compete with Canada for that gold medal. And then there is Lavaskarov, to your point after that, who will be coming in hot to this tournament with something to prove. Craig, thanks so much for your time. Uh, I know you've got to uh, to get back to your, your quarantine and an upcoming pleasurable COVID test, I'm sure. Um, so hope you don't get too stir-crazy uh, locked up in your hotel room waiting for this tournament to start. Uh, if you do, you can always go back and listen to some classic Dauber Prospects radio episodes, and uh, that'll help pass the time or, or put you to sleep, one or the other. Doesn't put me to sleep. I, I will tell you this. Uh, you know, you think about the players, uh, Team Canada, that spent 14 days in quarantine and kept themselves busy and ready. And, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, they're young young people that haven't had the experiences of of, of a lot of adversity in, in terms of having to deal with things. So uh, if they can do it, and I know they did it ex- in an exemplary fashion, it's a it's small, small uh, obstacle for me to do it for four days. Yeah, yeah, I would have no problems going through that as well to be involved in that tournament in any sort of um, capacity as a, as a broadcaster or a journalist or a writer, heck, even as a fan. <laughs> All right. So I'm really looking forward to your uh, your calls on the game and uh, hearing the uh, the comments that you have to make about the players and, 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 and the analysis and the games in the tournament as it unfolds. You do a fantastic job there. And um, I, I can't wait to uh, meet you at the draft in, in 2021. Hopefully we're we're back to a live draft at that point. And uh, maybe I can buy you a beer and we can chit chat some hockey. 
we can chit chat hockey then, but we can also chit chat hockey anytime you want, you know, as, as you watch. And, you know, as I always say about building knowledge, we're all trying to build knowledge and there's things that I might miss. And certainly if uh, you see an observation, you go, geez, Craig, I, I'm not so sure that that, uh, that that assessment of that player is right. You know, I, I know one thing, uh, I'm not always right and I'm going to be wrong, but I'm always trying to learn. So don't be afraid to throw your knowledge my way, Peter. I'll do that. I'll do that. You put me on the, the TSN yeah. scouting staff. All right, yes. Craig. Thanks so much for your time and uh, and looking forward to the, the tournament. And take care for now. Yeah, you too. Be safe. Stay safe. Indeed.